Would you bet a few thousand dollars that you could sink an eight-foot putt? What about 10 grand that you could win a drag race against a Camaro with a thousand horsepower? If you bet $2 million, could you bet it all on one football game? Maybe you wish you could, but you probably wouldn't. Gamblers is about the people who did. From the Ringer Podcast Network, listen to Gamblers Season 2 on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to the Ringer Power Rankers show with myself and Jason Goff. The Ringer NFL show. I want to start this off, Goff. I know we got a lot of football to talk, but the Ringer uh-huh. NFL show, this podcast feed is freaking loaded. Herbie fully loaded with Lindsay Lohan out here. Ringer recap show is Sunday night. That's Norman Princiati, Steve Ruiz, and Ben Solak. Then you got extra point taken on Mondays with Ben Solak and Chilpedia. Then myself and Jason Goff with Power Rankers here on Tuesdays. The Island comes out on Wednesdays with Norman Princiati and a guest, The Scramble. On Thursdays with Shilpedia, and on Friday we have the Ringer preview show with Danny Hyde, Ben Solak, and Steve Ruiz. It is loaded on this feed, and we have to compete with these guys toe to toe. Can we handle it? Uh, I don't know if I can. I hope you're ready to shoulder all the brunt of this podcast because that's a that's some firepower to go up against. So the, the Ringer roster when it comes to NFL football is loaded, and it's the only place people should be, really, to be honest with you. So I will try not to bring down this one as, as much as I have the previous two or three, and we can get it rolling here because I know I know this will be the Trevor Lawrence celebration show. I, I have some issues with some of your rankings again, and we got to get to game of the week and shame of the week as well. Absolutely. We're going to start with team of the week. Remember, you can check out my full Ringer NFL power rankings on theringer.com. And if you go there, make sure to hate them as much as everyone else does. We sent out a tweet and everyone's just so upset that I still have the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins outside the top five. I'm mm-hmm. still just taking, I am taking Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady over any of the quarterbacks in the league right now. I'm sorry. That's over Jalen Hurts. That's over Tua. That's over Lamar. I know they're playing good football. They're still top 10 teams. But I have the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins on the outside. But I'm not talking about a top 10 team as my team of the week. My team of the week is the biggest riser of the week as well. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars. There we man. go. I, Let's go. I, I threw them <laughs> up my rankings. I had to. The Jacksonville Jaguars are balling out. And honestly, I think the the obviously the, one of the coolest things about it is that Trevor Lawrence is looking good. And everyone has talked about you know, can Trevor Lawrence find it? He's this generational quarterback going from, you know, he was compared to Andrew Luck coming out. He's looking the part. Last week, they were 22nd on my power rankings. I've bought them all the way up to number 13. Only Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungabailoa have a higher clean pocket EPA per dropback. So essentially, when he's kept clean, he is maximizing his pockets. And he doesn't have Jalen Waddle. He doesn't have A.J. Brown, right? He doesn't have Tyreek Hill. Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence are putting on an absolute masterclass offensively maximizing the talents of Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, Marvin Jones. This offensive line isn't even good. 
I am so impressed with what Trevor Lawrence has done and how he's ascended. I think inside the top 10 among quarterbacks in the league and also what Doug Peterson has done. I knew it would be an improvement, right? I knew it would be an improvement over Urban Meyer, the disaster that was last year, but did not expect them to so quickly have this kind of success. They're beating good football teams and beating them bad. Beating the bad Chargers this past week, they've been 38 to 10. I know Herbert was hurt. I know they're under injuries, but man, this Jacksonville Jaguars team, that's my team of the week. They are looking fantastic. No, they're looking really good. And, and shout out to good coaching or some kind of coaching, you know, and, and the difference that makes. We knew last year that Trevor Lawrence was in the fight for his life, you know, not only with the, the, the roster that was bereft of talent, but also the Urban Meyer experience. But I will say this, because you mentioned one of those names, uh, Christian Kirk, a guy who was out there free agency-wise, a lot of teams who wanted to kick the tires on that, on that wide receiver position, like the Chicago Bears, some other teams were interested. But I was looking at Josh Allen and the growth of Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs made a huge difference. The moment Stephon Diggs showed up, all of a sudden you could put the ball places that, that you couldn't put it before and the run after the catch. And of course, Stephon Diggs is one of the best route runners in the game. He's one of the best wide receivers in the game. So I'm not comparing Christian Kirk to Stephon Diggs. I'm just saying Look what happens when you throw another guy into the mix, right? And Zay Jones, obviously the talent is there, but you got to put it together consistently. Trevor Lawrence is looking like the dude who everyone thought he would be in the NFL his freshman year in college. So uh, it's good to see a, a quarterback kind of start to reach those those markers, you know, and, and obviously this season, I mean, like you mentioned, they've beaten some good teams. They've gone up against some pretty damn good defenses with star power on the other end. What they did to the Chargers, I didn't see coming. I didn't know that Justin Herbert would be uh, as as um, limited as he was. But at the same time, you still got Khalil Mack and Derwin James. You got all pros at every level of a defense that he just shredded. So if you're uh, if you're not on the Trevor Lawrence train these last two games or so, should uh, definitely have you looking to, at the conductor trying to get yourself a transfer. The, the last point I'd make on Trevor Lawrence and the offense, and I want to talk about the defense, because Trevor Lawrence gets all love. I know he's got the long hair. He's the pretty boy, but this defense is also playing well. Trevor Lawrence, I think, is entering that tier, and you brought this up last week, He's entering that tier of elevator, right? And I brought up some names, Say Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, a bad offensive line. He is maximizing those talents. And I honestly think like taking those talents further, right? Christian Kirk looks better in this offense than he ever did with Cliff Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals. Say Jones, resurgent career. Evan Ingram, who was a castaway with the Giants, is also making plays with this offense. I think a lot of that is Doug Peterson. This coaching staff is making plays. But a lot of that too is this new elevator, this new era of young quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Defensively, real quick. Rookie Devin Lloyd, linebacker from Jackson Jaguars, is absolutely balling out. Multiple tackles in this game also had an interception. And the defensive line, I know Rashawn Slater left the game with a biceps injury. He's now going to miss the season. Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins, my goodness, could not block a soul. Josh Allen was fantastic in this one. They didn't even have Shaq Griffin, their starting corner, opposite of Tyson Campbell. So you had Tyson Campbell and Darius Williams playing outside corner, and they still looked phenomenal in this game. I think defensively, offensively, this Jacksonville Jaguars team has it. And you can still bet them, I think, plus 250, in the AFC South. This is the best team in the AFC Ooh, South. I'm sorry. Here we this, go. This is the best team in the AFC South. I'm taking him over at Matt Ryan. I'm taking over the Titans. I know the Titans just won against the hapless Las Vegas Raiders, but man, I think the Jags, best team in the AFC South. I mean, like you mentioned, not, not just Devin Lloyd, but, you know, you got Trayvon Walker, who, who everybody saw do damage on the collegiate level. You come out, you get the first pick in the draft. And also, they've, they've been able to pick and pluck a, a few guys that are no-name guys, maybe to the casual NFL fan, but guys who have been developing. Hell, I watched Roy Robertson-Harris here in the Chicago turn from a dude who really didn't have a position to a guy you could put in some, in some spot jams and, and not be such a fall-off. He's their starting defensive end now. So, yeah, the Jaguars got 
something brewing. And I don't think it's too far out on the limb to say that they will be at the top uh, of the AFC South. I just, I, I can't see Vrabel and the Titans falling that far or falling to a point where they're they're out here at, at around 9 and 8, 10 and 7. I think they still got 11 and 10 wins in them. I don't know if the Jaguars have 10 wins in them. But, hey, listen, if Trevor Lawrence is playing like this, then the sky's the limit because we've seen young quarterbacks raise the level of a team that doesn't know that it's not good yet, right? So, uh, and, and especially in the AFC, right? So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see not just how he matures, but how that defense with all those young players who are asked to do a lot, right? Like this team is this team is primed for some big things here in the next couple of years. You no, know, I think the biggest area they're going to have to you know get better at in a hurry is winning close games, right? Because the last two games have been blowouts, and you know when you are you know, executing like they were and have Trevor Lawrence, you know, covering a lot of these sins and stuff like that. Close games is where rebuilding teams usually learn a lot. The Chargers have been learning in close games for as long as I can remember. Like this Jaguars team, if they can start to come out of these one score games, that, that will happen against good football teams. They are going to be the team, I think, that wins the AFC South. I want to get now into the too high, too low conversation. Look at some of these teams that I want to throw some names at you. It's like, I might be too high on this team. And it was a team that we just brought up kind of casually. The Los Angeles Chargers. I'm just, I'm clinging to hope here, my guy. I got them at number nine on these rankings. They're one and two on the season. They just got blown out by the Jaguars at home. I, I, I don't know if I should be keeping them at nine. Here's why. I love Justin Herbert. I, I, I do think, I do think Justin Herbert, when healthy, and I know he's battling injuries. He's got the rib cartilage injury. When healthy, the top three quarterback in this league. And to put a team with a top three quarterback in this league outside the top 10, I just feels like malpractice. And defensively, Joey Bosa is week to week with a groin injury. That is a huge concern. JC Jackson has the ankle injury. He's not coming back to health. That is concern there. But I still think there are enough pieces for defensively this Chargers team to be good. Now, guess what? They lost 38-10 to the freaking Jags. And they have injuries everywhere. Rayshon Slater out for the season. Joey Bosa, week to week with a groin. Justin Herbert still battering the rib injury. injury. JC Jackson. This is a very injury-plagued football team. They're starting center. Corey Lindsey out. This is a very injury-plagued football team that cannot, cannot, catch a break with the injury bug. Am I, t- am I wrong to have them at nine? Well, I was just glad Justin Herbert got a chance to suit up because we know what happens with that uh, that Charger staff when you got to get an injection. You know, shout out to Tyrod Taylor. Like, I was just happy that the man was able to play some football after, uh, you know, old Dr. Scissorhands over there got a hold of a needle. But you know, like you mentioned, Rayshon Slater, one of the best tackles in the game. And, and, and not just the, the guys that you mentioned, but Keenan Allen. Right. Like, are they rushing him back to practice after all these injuries are mounting up, not just on the other side of the ball, but what Justin Herbert has to work with out there? You can't just throw 50 50 balls at Mike Williams all day long. So that, that offense, um, obviously, like you know, football is a war of attrition. And in the first two or three weeks, if you lose this kind of firepower, you lose this amount of investment, uh, you know, cap wise, then you're going to take a step back. I, I'm still high on the Chargers when healthy, but who can, you know, these are the injuries we talk about when the schedules come out and they go win, win, loss, win, win, win. If you're going to tell me that Joey Bosa, Rashawn Slater, and Keenan Allen and all these dudes are going to be hurt, Justin Herbert's going to have bad ribs, and I'm going to tell you that the Chargers are no damn good. What we saw is a, a reeling football team in terms of injuries. And then on top of it, you saw a really hot quarterback and you go out there and blow him out. So, yeah, I, I don't know how to feel about the Chargers because the the evaluation just can't be complete with this many guys banged up this early in the first quarter of the season. The other thing I'll bring up too, and I think this has been somewhat independent of injury with the Los Angeles Chargers. I know they just lost Rashawn Slater and Corey Lindsay, his battle injuries, but this Chargers team cannot run the football. They're averaging, they're averaging 0.27. 0.3, a third of a yard before first contact per attempt. That's the worst in the NFL, according to True Media. 
The offensive line is only going to get worse with Rashawn Slater gone. You have Trey Pipkins and Storm already starting. The pass protection is going to struggle. The run blocking is going to struggle. It's just going to be so much harder for this team to create easy offense. Justin Herbert is going to have to be a superhero with a broken rib for this Chargers team to bounce back. I, I, I brought them up in this too high, too low. I think I might be too high on the Los Angeles Chargers. And here's the question I wanted to pose to you. No, Sticking with the Chargers one last time. If this Chargers team misses the playoffs, does Brandon Staley, oh, does Brandon Staley get fired? He kept Justin Herbert in that game late, both last week and this week when people were questioning if it was worth it in garbage time, he's not maximizing this team that has all the talent, even though there are injuries, like there is going to be questions. I think Brand Staley is phenomenal coach, phenomenal defensive mind. I love what he did last year, going for it on fourth down, being aggressive, betting on his players. He has not been lucky in that a lot of his team has gotten hurt and then was given a lot of opportunity when they added Sebastian just today, Khalil Mack, JC Jackson, Austin Johnson. They threw the kitchen sink and improving the defense side of all offensively this is you know, seen as one of these Super Bowl favorites right and now they're not they might not make the playoffs some of that's the Herbert injury some of that's other stuff do you, one do you think Brandon Staley is going to get fired and two do you think he deserves to get fired you know I, he was on the hot seat coming into this year for some of the decisions and the fourth down stuff that everybody had fun with last year but when you have this kind of quarterback where and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you maybe just maybe we put Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert at a tier that they weren't ready to be at yet because they were just getting that first taste of success obviously the run that jo- Joe Burrow had and the Bengals had at the end of the last year and if you really look at some of those games how close they were like it wasn't like the Bengals were blowing people out it's like okay this guy's right but he had that it factor and Justin Herbert the same way uh, but it was just with the Chargers where not, not many people hell in the city never mind the rest of the country were watching him but his numbers jumped off the page but once you get that exalted quarterback who everybody now is is thinking of as the gifted one and you're on that rookie deal we all know the blueprint you gotta if you have a quarterback who people respect on a rookie deal you have to maximize it before you tear down the rest of the team so everybody's turning around and looking at the coach like, wait a minute, your fourth down decisions and some of the things that we've seen down the stretch in the second half of last season. Yeah, he was on the hot seat coming into this season. So if they if they have an injury plague season and guys like Sean Payton and some other dudes might be out there on the market and, and they're just looking for a landing spot and especially when you have a quarterback like this, it's a perfect, like you can, you can have the pick of the litter, right? Like the best chefs in the world don't have to go work at fast food restaurants because of what they cooked up before. So I can pick Justin Herbert that defense, Derwin James, all the, the acquisitions, all we got to do is try to stay healthy and you hope that the injury luck isn't what it was. Yeah, Brandon Staley, I think, would be on the hot seat if this team uh, it didn't have the kind of season that everybody forecasts. Now, do I think he will get fired? Who's to say? Right. Because if I'm Brandon Staley and I go to UA, you believed in me. And then all of a sudden half my stars got hurt. And what, what can you really do with that from an evaluation point? It's just who's out there. Right. Like who who, who do I think is sitting at the couch on the couch or in one of these studios that can motivate this team to a winning championship kind of caliber franchise? That's all the questions would be. But if it was a normal circumstance, I think you probably have one more year in them before people start to press that button. The injuries are obviously unlucky. Right. Like Rashawn Slater tearing his biceps is unlucky. You know, Joey Bosa getting hurt again, maybe not as unlucky. It's just like we've come to expect it. I mean, he's battled like soft tissue injuries his entire career. The, there are multiple decisions this year, though, where I feel, man, this is the first time I feel like taking a baseball bat to Brandon Staley from a criticism standpoint. That's not a little aggressive. But uh, like, <laughs> just like, man, like, like, damn, like, AG out here. <laughs> I, meant, I, meant more, I meant more to like his like coaching status, right? Yeah, no, I got this you. Season, I'm an analytics guy. I love what he did last year getting, you know, going for it on fourth down and being aggressive. I thought last year was fantastic. He was propped on this pedestal by me and a lot of other people as one of these talented head coaches. This year, there are two things. 
One, he stopped doing that. In that Chiefs game that they lost multiple times where there were obvious go situations, he's kind of pulling back, which just speaks to inconsistency and maybe like him putting his tail between his legs when maybe he didn't have to and could still be aggressive. And then two, the decision to keep Justin Herbert in last week and this week, even though, and I know he mentioned to the you know, reporters after this that you know, he wanted to be in there with his teammates, all that stuff. That, in my opinion, is, is, is a bad decision. I, I mean, you know that Herbert's the only reason you remain Super Bowl competitive. It's not worth sending him out and getting in garbage time, taking hits, just because he wants to be out there with his teammates. I, I, I do worry about those two things with Francilli, and, and those could come up if they, if they don't make the playoffs. By the way, it, it doesn't help your case, and I know they're hurt, but you're at the crib, and you had 10 days to prepare for this game. True. You know, Doug Peterson kicked his ass like coaching wise. It wasn't yeah. just the injuries. He, he, he ran circles around the dude. So, I mean, you got to <laughs> you got to take it for what it is. Right. Like Brandon Staley right now, uh, not just the decision to leave Justin Herbert in, but the amount of time he had to prepare for this game. You got to look at it like this is this is a big flop. We'll get into some of the biggest mover stuff, game of the week, all that stuff. Steve Ruiz also joins the show, talks his quarterback rankings at the end. I want to give you, you to give me one more too high, too low team. But a team that you're just like, man, AG, what the hell are you doing? Well, you already know where I'm going with this one. Fly, Eagles, fly. I, I, I said it last week that I thought they were the best team in the NFC, and I'm sipping the Jalen Hurts Kool-Aid at this point. I'm dumping the whole Gatorade bucket on my head. Like, if A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith are going to have these kinds of games where it's like, okay, you want cloud coverage over there? We're going to go here. Oh, Devontae Smith can go up and get it now. He's got that obvious that obvious confidence. They've got the bond playing back in the Alabama days. Yeah, man, Jalen Hurts and what Nick Sirianni has done with this all offense and, and just the the way that they play. They play like a team who doesn't understand how good they are. But uh, and, and of course, Jalen Hurts is uh, that kind of leader, right? Like he's always had that quiet confidence about him. It's never been one of those things where he's just happy to be there, but he knows how cold he is. He just doesn't have to tell you. I think this Philadelphia Eagles team is starting to resemble and embody that kind of identity. And week to week, like even in a loss, I, I see them making the kinds of plays where I'm like, that's going to translate when it's time to, to, you know, in December and January when it gets a little colder and you're talking about uh, some of these design run plays. I mean, Miles Sanders is still in the tuck, right? Like Miles Sanders, I think, is a guy who can get you 20 touches and make some, make some things happen for you on a week-to-week basis. So I, I really, really like the Philadelphia Eagles, man. And I know the Green Bay Packers had themselves quite the defensive effort against the Bucs, an uh, undermanned Bucs squad, but still the Bucs in a, a hot Tampa Bay, uh, you know, uh, home, uh, I'm sorry, road situation. But I, I like the Eagles, man. I think that might be the best team in the NFC. Yeah, I, I don't think any any positive praise thrown on Philadelphia, thrown on Nick Sirianni, thrown on Jalen Hurts right now, I think it's all warranted. Like, he has been phenomenal this year. That crew has been phenomenal. They have no, they have so, so much margin for error. I, I, right. you know, it, it, the offensive line is, is a top three offensive line in the NFL. Jalen Hurts is playing out of his mind compared to what we've seen from him previously. Defensively, this team is getting pressure. Like, there is so much to like about Nick Sirianni, John Gannon, and what he did against Minnesota, Jalen Hurts. And then you have back to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith this past game, game of his career. Like, it's all hitting right at the same time for Philadelphia. So much that you're right, too, if you had the Eagles, say, in 15 to 18 to vault them up to two or one, even, in some of these power rankings. It's the reason they stay at six. The reason that they're just right outside the top five, or maybe six or seven, wherever I have them. The reason, honestly, it still is just defense. You, 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 you tell me, Bucks, Eagles, Bucks, Eagles in Philly, like that's Brady versus Hurts, and I'm taking Brady. I don't know what the line is right now. I think it would be a pick 'em, maybe Bucks minus one. I don't know, but I, I just think that deep in the postseason, 
in these you know head-to-head matchups, quarterback matters so much. And Jalen Hurts has been otherworldly this year compared to previous you know preseason expectation. I'm not ready to vault him ahead of Aaron Rodgers, who's also playing some good football with really bad receivers. Tom Brady, who I think is playing good football with really bad receivers. I, I think that towards the end of the season, if the Bucs get healthy, the Packers can get healthy. I'll be interested to see those matchups, hopefully in the NFC playoffs. All right, moving forward. Hold on before we move forward. Bucks in in, the, in that triumvirate of Bucks, Packers, Eagles. Who do you think has the best coach? Bucks, Packers, Eagles. Hmm. I think you got to put Lafleur, then Sirianni, and then obviously like Bowles in that situation that they're in. I, I, I think that Lafleur probably won for just how long he's done it, but Sirianni is on his tail. Sirianni, I think, is the favorite to win coach of the year this year for good reason. I think Mike McDaniel's in the mix as well. Like this is a really, really good coaching staff. That is, I always come back to a coaching, maximizing the players that you have and creating easy offense where there's where you're limited, right? And that's what Mike McDaniels is doing with Tua Tungvaluwa and creating easy offense. You know, they run more play action and more pre-snap motion than any team in the NFL. They are creating deep shots for Tua Tungvaluwa and he's pulling the trigger. I, I do think that Nick Sirianni is entering that tier, that tier one of, oh man, he can maximize. He can maximize. Now they have good football players. Hurts is good. AJ Brown's good. The offensive line's good. But, but he is definitely getting the best out of them. They're playing some good football. All right. Biggest mover. The biggest mover was the Jags. The Jags moved up from 22 to 13. So I want to talk about real quickly two teams that I think that going into this year, we would not have been saying this after week three, but we are. I think the Patriots and the Raiders are cooked. Oh, yeah. Patriot, you know, Matt Jones, uh, I think the Patriots, what, one and two? Matt Jones out multiple weeks now with a high ankle sprain. Las Vegas Raiders are 0-3. I think only 2.5% of teams since 1990 made the playoffs that started the season 0-3. Now, for the Patriots, it's more injury. I think you could see them maybe hit some variants and all that stuff to get into the playoffs. But now that Mac Jones is out multiple weeks, I just don't know. And then you saw there was a report out that said Mac Jones wants to rest a little bit longer, whereas the Patriots want to rush him back, some inconsistency there. That worries me. And for the Raiders, they have a lot of talent. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Daryl Waller, Derek Carr, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, Josh McDaniels, has not maximized it. When you go back to maximizing talent, Josh McDaniels has not maximized that. Devontae Adams in week one, when everyone was like, oh my God, the Green Bay Packers completely shit the bed in trading Devontae Adams, had 177 air yards. That's total targets and total air you know, yards down the field that he's receiving those. 177, that's first in the NFL. Since then, 81 in week two, that's 29th. 76 in week three, that's 44th. If there is a single sack where Devontae Adams is ranking outside the freaking top 10 any single week in season, that's a mistake. That's my practice. You need to be getting him the football. I know Hunter Renfro was out last week. That speaks volumes to getting Devontae Adams the ball more. I, I worry about Josh McDaniels. Fire McDaniels was trending on Twitter last night. And after that game against Tennessee, uh, the owner, Mark Davis, and Josh McDaniels got together and had a quote-unquote lengthy closed-door meeting. Those never go well. I've been through a few of those. Those never go well. But where are you at with the Patriots and Raiders? Am I right to say they're cooked? Uh, the Patriots are definitely cooked. I mean, and there's nothing worse to watch than a bad Patriots team. Like the, a, a good Patriots team was sometimes you grind your teeth watching it because of how monotonous and how mechanical they were both on the offensive and defensive side of the football. But now with Mac Jones out, I'm not, I'm not signing up to watch Brian Hoyer, you know, and, and, and on top of it, if you're talking about the future of this thing, like how many, how many losing seasons is, is Bill Belichick going to be afforded, right? Like if, if Mac Jones, is 
ceiling wise what he might be right coming out of the draft I didn't have a lot of high hopes for Mac Jones I think it was overstated what he did last year and the fact that he was only allowed three you know three passing attempts in an NFL football game kind of lets you know exactly what the real feelings were about him and now that you come into this season with him being the guy and all the offensive play calling issues that we have documented and been talking about and seen tweeted out by by different reporters this season is about to be landslide hilariously bad so if that's the case, I'm cool on New England Patriots football because I don't like watching bad football be boring football. If you're going to be bad, be at least interesting, like my Chicago Bears, at least, you know, you get to see all the, the fun and frivolity of, of just absolute ass backwards play calling. <laughs> and, and, and then and then if we if we if we getting into the Las Vegas Raiders, they're finding every single way to lose a football game in the first three games of this season, whether it be like you mentioned, the, 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 the collapse defensively or. What they had against the Titans, like mismanagement of the clock still is is happening. You're getting penalties like these are the things. And and if we take a look around the league right now, like a lot of these head coaches or offensive gurus, like everybody can't dance the same way. Look at what's going on with Denver and Nathaniel Hackett. You got Russell Wilson out here celebrating, you know, getting a last drive touchdown as if they didn't punt the ball 52 times, you know, the, the previous 52 drives. So I'm, I'm taking a look at the people that we're supposed to be respecting as offensive geniuses or offensive um, guys with foresight and then they get into that head coaching position and it just doesn't translate. It's like a 4A baseball player where it's like, all right, you want to bit you in the big leagues now. So are you a CEO? Are you just, you know, are you just out here and you know, being the head of accounting just, just got kicked up to a bigger gig? So I, I, the Vegas Raiders right now with the kind of offensive talent that they have, they should be scoring a lot more. And these games, these games shouldn't be lost in the way that they've been lost very early in this season. One more note on McDaniels and the Raiders team specifically. Then I want to get into the game of the week, the shame of the week. Steve Ruiz is banging on the Zoom door to get in here and talk some QB. So we're going to go through quickly. One thing on McDaniels. I praised McDaniels and Ziegler, Dave Ziegler, the GM coming over from the Patriots as well. We're having a plan, right? Coming in and saying, hey, we're going to go get Devontae Adams. We're going to go get Chandler Jones. We're going to go make some plays. We're going to improve this team. We're going to sign Darren Waller to extension, Hunter Renfrew to extension. We're going to restructure Derek Carr's contract. They said, hey, we know who the good players on this team are. We're going to do something with those contracts. And then um, you know, we're going to go try and get better. And then they cut Alex Leatherwood, a starter for this team, on one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. They trade away Trayvon Mullen, a starting outside cornerback for this team, essentially for a conditional seventh round pick. Like, I almost feel that a lot of these decisions are, we are, you know, outside of maybe some of the contract structuring, we are doing what we want no matter what. And I think pride in head coaching can often bite you in the ass, man, especially when you lose games. And we talked about, you know, Belichick disciples trying to bring that, do your job. I'm, I'm going to be an asshole every single day to other football teams. And when they don't win, it doesn't work. And the Raiders right now aren't winning. Devontae Adams expressing frustration. Everyone should be expressing frustration. This Raiders team is better than 0-3. They're the only 0-3 team in the NFL. That is a direct reflection of coaching. 16-point collapse in the fourth quarter against the Cardinals. Against this Titans team that should have came back. It's, it's, a tough, it's a tough situation to be a Raiders fan right now. I apologize if you're out there Vegas faithful, Oakland faithful. I'm from Oakland. There's still Raiders fans out there. Who knows? All right, game of the week. For you, what do you got? 
I have Chiefs Bucks. Now you may ask yourself, wait a minute, the Chiefs look a little clunky, and then of course the Bucks look a lot clunky. But I think this is a game that I'm focusing on because not only are the two quarterbacks, but some of the people that are coming back in the storylines. Like we talked about Todd Bowles earlier. That defense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is playing at an elite level. I think in a primetime situation with Patrick Mahomes, these first few games, it's been the the Tyreek Hill referendum on this offense week to week to week now, especially with Tyreek doing what he's doing in my Miami, I think in a primetime game against that defense, I think Patrick Holmes, Patrick Mahomes will rise to the occasion. I think we're going to see what Andy Reid is really, really about in, in, in that kind of uh, – that would be a Super Bowl type of matchup. And, you know, Mike Evans comes back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't expect Tom Brady to have back-to-back bad performances. And on top of it, Chris Jones is playing at an all-pro level again, so there's going to be some pushback from that Kansas City defense. I, I, I'm looking at that one as my game of the week. Obviously, there's a, there's a couple out there that just name-wise and, and matchup-wise probably supersede that one, but I, I think I'm, I'm going with – Chiefs Bucks. Sunday night football. That game right now is a one and a half point spread. Chiefs go to Tampa Bay. The Bucks, a home dog at one and a half points. I've seen that line at two and a half, now down to one and a half. Some line get bet on the box. The total set at 45 and a half. The Chiefs last week, man, that was an aberration, an outlier. Gus Bradley went into that game calling 65% cover three. And Patrick Mahomes eats, eats dinner. With cover three, literally, he eats dinner and there's cover three playing in the background. I don't even know how that, how that expression works. Just believe me for a second. This I felt game, it though. I felt this it. Game, this game, twenty nine percent cover three against KC. Play a lot more quarters, a lot more cover one, and it worked. Right? They don't. They didn't blitz a lot. They did not stunt a lot. I, I Gus Bradley changing his stripes. I freaking love to see that. I love to see that. That's freaking awesome. Good for you, Indy. All right, on to my shame of the week. So I think this one's phenomenal. It's it's two it's two bottom five teams in the NFL, in my opinion. With two and one records. It's the Bears and the Giants, baby. Uh, Bears, go. Bears go to East Rutherford. And I was <laughs> at the Giants Cowboys game on Monday night. And Daniel Jones, everyone's dogging him on Twitter for playing terribly. It, this offensive line couldn't protect. Evan Neal was getting absolutely hosed. The receiving court was a disaster. I didn't think he was bench. that bad. I didn't think he was that bad either. Daniel Jones is playing down an arm and a leg. He's eating dinner to something else. It's a bad situation for Daniel Jones. Kenny Galladay is getting benched and then put back in. It, it, it's, it's a disaster. It's a disaster. This offense, I think, is one of the worst supporting casts in the NFL. Evan Neal, a rookie, I think will be a good player in this league, was getting his lunch eaten by Michael Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence. And then the receiving core is a combination of Richie James, David Sills, Kenny Galladay, and Sterling Shepard. And on the last play of the game, the last offensive play of the game, in garbage time, Sterling Shepard, longtime veteran in this league, longtime giant, seemingly has a non-contact lower leg injury. I think he's out for the season, confirmed. That sucks, man. That sucks for this Giants team. They had so much hope after going 2-0, easily the worst 2-0 team going into that game. But now going to struggle again daniel jones is going to struggle this offense is going to struggle no sterling shepherd arguably the best receiver that sinks and on the bears side i literally wrote my notes i can't believe the bears have two wins justin fields has played horrendous i know that um you know steven reese wants to talk about fields just how badly he's performed and we've talked about how Eberflus and this new era the ryan poles era seems non-committal on justin fields i think that's all but sure i think how they're calling plays how they're game planning is all but known that this Bears franchise wants to move on from Justin Fields. They're not putting him in a position to succeed, and he does not look confident out there. He is struggling week in and week out. That's my shame of the week, Bears, Giants. 
Yeah, there's obviously some regression there. And uh, Justin Fields is not playing like a guy who's got 14 starts under his NFL belt. It, it, it has been bad. And he said it. He played like trash. He said it. So as long as he's aware of it. And Luke Getze, by the way, has gotten his ass out coached in two of these three games. So we'll, we'll see. But yes, that's the game that I will uh, look forward to watching and covering for the city of Chicago. Bears Giants. It is, it is that time. <laughs> it is time. It is time to watch the Bears Giants. I can't wait. You're going to be watching Chiefs Bucks on Sunday night. I'm going to be waiting all Saturday for Bears Giants. All right. Um, <laughs> it's time to bring in Steve Ruiz for his quarterback rankings. He wants to talk a little T-Law, a little Jalen Hurts, Jimmy G. Oh, my goodness. And Justin Fields. Let's bring in Steve. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident, like you could do anything. So you dance like no one is watching, even though everyone is watching. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you interview like the job is already yours because it is. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well-dressed for rules. Because of the men's warehouse outfit. At Men's Warehouse, get measured, get fitted, get hot, get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between. Love the way you look at Men's Warehouse. And we are back with Steve Maurice, Ray Talks and Quarterbacks. You are one of the captains of the Geno Smith ship. I know that. And that, and that ship has been flying. When are okay, we going to blow that been, ship up? You've been, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you, you've, been, you've also been a captain. You've worn the superhero cape for Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence looks good, man. We just we, we talked a lot about this Jacksonville Jaguars team at the top of this podcast. I feel good about Doug Peterson. He's maximizing talents like Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram, all these different things. Trevor Lawrence is playing out of his freaking mind. Talk him up. Yeah, I first of all, I had two preseason takes. Geno Smith would be fine. He's been fine. And Trevor Lawrence would be a top 10 quarterback. I'm looking good That's right solid. now, baby. Hey, That's solid. Hall of Fame, Stephen Ruiz. Right <laughs> the, there, agenda. the agenda. The I'm like agenda. the Jerry West of, of, quarter, of NFL quarterbacks. Take it easy. <laughs> take, take it easy. You don't want to extrapolate that metaphor. Yeah, yeah. without the rage issues. I don't have right, the rage exactly. issues. <laughs> but uh, no, like Trevor, my one concern with Trevor coming into this season was timing. Like that was the one thing you could see consistently on film where he wasn't doing his part was the ball would come out late. It wouldn't come out on time. And that would lead to accuracy issues. That would lead to interceptions. We're just not seeing that anymore. He hits the backwards, drop the balls out and it's out to the right receiver. It's not necessarily the first read every time either. Like he gets to his progressions in just an instant. It's like Justin Herbert out there. That's, that's the comparison I see. I think there, there's still some accuracy concerns. I don't think it's perfect but I think he can get better at that. And he can make all the throws. He can make throws outside the pocket. You can roll them to your left. You can roll them to the right. You can, he can play under center. He can play from the gun. He can run zone read. Like 
This is why he was seen as a generational prospect. I'm not surprised. And I'm not surprised even after last year, because if you squinted hard enough when you were watching that film, you saw it. Uh, you saw it around all of the dysfunction that was on the field for the Jaguars. You still saw a good quarterback and the confidence in him is paying off for me. I'm still going to find a way to blame the timing stuff last year on urban. I think he was kicking him. If he went to his second profession <laughs> and stuff like that, I think, I think there was some abusive stuff going on behind the scenes because Trevor Lawrence looks like a different man this year. He's playing his ass off. All right. The other quarterback I want to bring up is Jimmy G. Jimmy G dude has an opportunity to start in prime time, which is always scary. Always scary. And man, did not it did not pay off. Jimmy G looking just like the same Jimmy G that they tried to get away from. He's back and he's playing bad football. Uh, what's your take on him? Where is he in your rankings? This was like someone someone went to one of those those guys at a carnival that draws caricatures of people and they showed them Jimmy G's film and they're like, draw a caricature of this. And it was the Sunday night game. Literally, he played <laughs> all the hits. He played all the hits. The 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 blind interception over the middle. And then he he came out with the new stuff. Even he, when he played the new stuff, <laughs> the back of the end zone and pick six combination, that was a, a virtuoso performance for my he man Jimmy G. Album, Steven. He, he added a few songs at the end, <laughs> a, few, a few bonus tracks, <laughs> a few bonus tracks. And I mean, I'm just I'm just relieved that we don't have to do this. Oh, is, is should the 49ers move on from Trey Lance and stick with Jimmy G going forward after the season talk? Because the answer has been obvious the whole time. And, and that's the point, right? Like, we're not surprised by what Jimmy G did, no matter how bad it was. That's what we expect. That's we expect to see those games. And that's why the 49ers traded three first round picks to get Trey Lance. Another quarterback that I think is flying up the rankings for a lot of people and has like exceeded a lot of people's expectations. And you weren't like particularly super low on him versus other people's opinion, but still like, I think he was outside the top 20 to begin the season. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is cruising. And I think he is in an offense that, is cooking right now. Offensive line's top three. AJ Brown's playing really well. Nick Sirianni is in his bag and he is having a lot of fun within that offense. But I also love the confidence and I also think he's making plays outside of structure. Like there are, do not, do not for a second, in my opinion, say that, oh, this is all Sirianni, all this is offense. There is a lot of margin for error. Like you, you can, you can play poorly in this offense because they have a lot of talent, Devontae Smith, all these things. But he's still, I think, dramatically exceeding preseason expectations and in a lot of ways, elevating this offense with his feet and how he's throwing football. Yeah. Yeah. My, my take on Jalen hurts was no matter his shortcomings as a quarterback and there, there are still shortcomings. He's going to be a useful player and he raises the floor for an offense just because of what he does as a runner and how he throws a deep ball to the perimeter. For me, it was kind of like, it's kind of like Russ, like an early career Russ where yes, he needs some polish, but there's enough there to build an offense around it. And you're seeing it with Philadelphia. And I think it goes both ways. The margin for error thing. Sure. The quarterback has an increased margin for error because there's so much talent around him. But I think that Jalen hurts gives that offense and that play calling staff a huge margin for error. Because like I said, the run game is always going to be good with Jalen hurts. And then that bleeds over into the pass game because now the defense has to drop a safety into the box. And there's only so many different things you can do defensively with coverages. When you have to do that, he's getting a lot of single high and he's taking advantage of it. He's, I, I think he's bordering on a top 15 quarterback. And I say that after the Washington game where 
you look at the stat line, I think it was 340 yards, three touchdowns, but it was a little shaky. Like the ball placement wasn't there. He just had receivers making plays, but that just shows off the floor for this offense. The quarterback can play like a seven out of 10 game and they still score a bunch of points and he still throws for 300 yards and three scores. What do you see uh, in terms of the things that he still has to refine with that offense? Because it seems like when the Russell Wilson comparison, I think is that because for so long, for, for a few years there, you, you really didn't think that they handed over the offense to him, right? It was all, you know, Marshawn Lynch, play action stuff. But this this offense, you're starting to see, like you mentioned, the, the, the foundation put in where he is able to do some things outside of, like Austin Gale talks about, the structure of the play. How do you how do you think he still needs to refine his game? Or what are some of the things you're still looking at when it comes to Jalen Hurts? I think it's two things. I think it's ball placement, like micro level, not macro level. I think in the past there were macro level issues with accuracy where the ball wasn't getting to the receiver and they couldn't make a play. Now I think he's giving his receivers a chance every play. But there are instances, especially in this Washington game, where he made it a little tougher on the receivers than it had to be. And then I think pocket presence is improving. That's that arrow is pointing up, but there are still some times when he'll leave a clean pocket and miss on an open receiver downfield. But I will say this, like when he gets outside of the pocket, I think he's much more confident than he was over the first two years. I think he's making more plays outside of the pocket. I think he's just more confident as a runner. Like he knows what he like which defenders he can get around, which defenders he might have to throw it away because he's not going to get uh, away from a tackle. I think he's like kind of coming to grips with his skill set and and honing it. And it's it's fun to watch. And I think he's just going to keep getting better every single season like he has since his first season at Alabama. Close us out with Justin Fields. He oh, no. has had a microscope oh, on him ever since the Bears drafted him. And obviously in his second regime, Eva Plus is there, has not played good football this year. And some of that people are like, Oh man, he doesn't have any receivers. The offensive line is terrible. The play calling has been awful. He's not throwing the ball a lot. The bears are two and one, but still I feel a lot of people are low on this Bears team. Rightfully so. And some of that is fields. How much of that is fields? It gives me no pleasure to say this because I was a huge Justin Fields fan before the draft. And I, I thought he was going to be good. Even as recently as the off season, he's the worst player in the NFL right now. The worst starter, regardless of position. He's, it's just not good. With that, Baker Mayfield and Joe Flacco starting in the NFL right now? Unfortunately, yes, because those guys can complete a pass. <laughs> every, every field's completion feels like a miracle. Every single one. It's like... <laughs> well, you're only going to get eight of them a game now, Steve. Right, right. I didn't tweet, <laughs> right. I didn't tweet this out because I felt like it was too mean. It's still in my drafts, but I, I was going to tweet that you know the Bears front office hates Justin Fields because they fixed the all 22 angle just so everyone else could see how really bad yes. he is this year. <laughs> they just want to make sure that everyone knows how bad he is this year because it's been bad. Like receivers are there. The Bears receivers are bad. The offensive line is not great, but there are plays where receivers are open and he has time in the pocket and he either doesn't throw it or he misses the throw every single time or he runs into a sack. My, my immediate reaction that before you move, what happened? Because you were right that be a high on him. Like, what happened? Does he have any gifts? Did, did, did Chicago break him? Like, they broke Jason Goff 20 years ago? Like, what happened? <laughs> what happened to Justin Fields? Yeah, All I think he above. has the gifts. <laughs> it's impossible. I, I feel like this is one of those situations where it's impossible to like separate the two. It's a chicken or egg situation. He has the yips. He's not throwing the ball as well as he did at Ohio State. Like, that first interception uh, where he overthrows. 
I, it's a tight end. I don't know which tight end. I think it's Komet. Cole Komet. Yeah, all of them bad. Just say one of the bad tight ends. <laughs> yeah, one of the bad tight ends and the safety picks He's playing picks like off. a goddamn robot, Steven. That's what's happening. That's <laughs> he's playing happening. like a robot. He's, 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 he's counting steps instead of dancing. Yes. That's what's like, happening right he's now. Like the, you know, he's like a white guy like dancing, and you could see that he's counting the steps. Right. That's how Justin Fields is Come playing on. right now. I like, on. But I, I'm down to jump on that analogy as well. Shout out to Austin. When next time we see Austin in the club. One and two and one and right. two and one. Two. Just, just, just because I count my steps doesn't mean I'm not a phenomenal dancer, guys. I feel you. I feel you. The chicken dance coming to a wedding near you. Put on by Austin Gale. As always, fantastic stuff. Make sure you Google Ringer quarterback rankings or go to QBRankings.TheRinger.com to check out his rankings every single week. Will he be making comparisons to white people dancing? counts in numbers. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Steven, I hope so. (laughs) This has been Steven Ruiz, Austin Gale, and Jason Goff. Make sure to tune in to the Ringer NFL show every single day. The Island with Nora Princiati on Wednesdays, The Scramble on Thursdays with Shopedia, and then the Ringer preview show. But guess what? Steven Ruiz, Ben Solak, Danny Heifetz. Big shout out to our producers, Carlos and Arjuna. Until next time, Austin, Jason, Steven.